Hello, this is Tim Convoy, the pastor of New Life Community Church located in Nashville, Indiana. I'd like to thank you for visiting our podcast, and I trust that God will just bless you and encourage you and speak to your heart as you listen to this message. Thank you again for joining us, and God bless you. It's good to see everybody this morning. You know, it is um, a great honor uh, for me to come up and, and introduce our uh, guest speaker today. He's a lifelong friend, and uh, I've served for him. I've served with him, and so it's an, it's an honor to have uh, Mr. John Barrett in the house today. Thank you, Corey. All right. Well, welcome out this morning. It's good to see everybody here today. Turn to your neighbor and say, you look good today. And I'll say this, but not as good as me, right? Just tell them that. It's good to be here this morning, and uh, what a great time just to worship together. And, you know, God's God does something when we worship. He shows up and He moves. And I love that song we were singing earlier about the goodness of God. And, um, you know, I'm reminded of David. David had this revelation in Psalm, and he said, Goodness and mercy will surely follow me all the days of my life. And if you think about that, think about that for a minute. He said, It will follow me. He didn't say that I'll follow it as though he was seeking for goodness and mercy. It was already his. He was walking in the goodness of God, and, and so much so that he said, as I pursue God, surely goodness and mercy is going to follow after me. It's going to come behind me because it's already there. I'm already walking in it. So this morning, I know that whatever you're going through, good, bad, high, low, whatever it is, know this, that when you're walking with Jesus, that goodness and mercy will follow you. And you declare that, and you be confident in that, and you find peace in that. You say, yeah, John, but it doesn't look like it. Well, we don't walk by sight. We walk by what? Faith. So when we walk by faith, we can say that and wake up every morning and say, God, today, goodness and mercy is going to follow me to work. Goodness and mercy is going to follow me through my circumstances. Goodness and mercy is going to follow me through the financial struggle or the emotional struggle or whatever it is. God, surely goodness and mercy will follow me. So I just, I love that. I was thinking about that this morning when we were singing about that. So that has nothing to do with the message that was extra and on top of it today. But um, let's jump in today. It's so good to be here. I've got, um, I'm just so grateful for New Life Church. You know, it's the church that I really got saved at, gave my life to Christ at as a freshman in high school. Uh, I went to a summer camp and God just rocked my world, changed my life. Uh, I'll never forget it. And I remember coming back and just being ready to rock and roll with God. And, um, and, and eventually later on, after I graduated high school, I kind of traveled around and around the country doing some different things in ministry. And God brought me back here to serve on staff as youth pastor and worship leader and just helping out in any capacity that I could. And uh, since then, um, I got married to my wife, my beautiful wife, Erin, back here, who is with, pregnant with our fourth child. Yeah, so we've got... Three kids and one on the way. So we've got Zion over here who's with me. She's going to be 15 this uh, year. And we've got Allie who's 11 and a big gap. And Isaiah who's going to be two and another little boy who's coming in September. So yeah. So uh, we just figured we just, you know, like just reset the playing field, right? Two girls and two boys and, and, and that. So 
but yeah, but, but ever since then, uh, now I currently uh, serve on staff at Hoosier Harvest Church in Martinsville, Indiana as associate pastor and worship leader over there and that. Also travel around and do leadership coaching in the corporate world and uh, just help emerging leaders, executive leaders, entrepreneurs and that. So uh, I got my hand in a lot of cookie jars and I like that because I like cookies, so that's good, and, um, and just busy doing a lot of different things, but again, just so excited to be here today. Uh, I've got a message for us that I think is going to impact us very much today, because here's what I know about you. Without knowing you, here's what I know about you, is that you've got a dream in your heart, and that God has created you for an ultimate purpose, that your existence on this planet has a meaning that you have got something that God wants to do in you and through you. That's what I know about you. Regardless of what has happened, regardless of how good or bad or whatever you feel right now in the moment, here's what I know, is that you have great potential because you were created by a great God for a great purpose. So whatever you're at right now, whatever season of life, maybe you think, hey, um, I'm, I'm kind of coming down the latter years. I'm here to tell you you're not. You've got more in you that God wants to do. Whether you're young and you're thinking, ah, I got the whole future ahead of me and I'll get, get ready when it's time and all that. No, no, no. The time is now for you to step up into what God has for you because God created you for a purpose. And it wasn't just to exist and pay your bills and have a good time and, you know, just kind of make it through life. God created you to ultimately fulfill something great, something incredible regardless of where you're at, regardless of how you feel. So I know that about you. So that's good. We can kind of find common ground. But here's what I also know about you, that in the pursuit of that dream, in the pursuit of that calling, in the pursuit of that purpose, you are going to face roadblocks. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Because we all have dreams. We all have hopes. We all want to be used by God. We all wake up hoping that our life matters But we also face roadblocks, and if we're not careful, those roadblocks can keep us and prevent us from experiencing life to the fullest and experiencing the purpose that God designed for us. And you're going to face them. Now, my little guy Isaiah is best illustrated in this. When he was really little and he was first starting to crawl and learning how to do that, uh, we, as any parent knows, or if you're a grandparent, you you, you know this, and um, in order to contain your kid. You, you just stack up pillows and obstacles around them to sort of keep them in the living room or wherever it is you want them to go because they're just not strong enough yet to kind of go anywhere, but they're mobile. So you got to contain it. You got to keep them safe. So for us, I, I remember when Isaiah started to crawl, we, we put little pillows up and all it took is like one little uh, couch pillow on the ground, maybe one or two. And I'm telling you, as soon as he was crawling and he hit that thing, he just stopped. He couldn't get over this obstacle. In fact, usually he would it, turn the other way and start going somewhere else. And so, you know, we'd follow around and throw a pillow down, another pillow, put a chair on the floor and all that stuff to contain him in. And it was so funny because, you know, he just was contained. And yet it, was, it wasn't a big obstacle, but it was enough to keep him. But as he matured and as he got stronger and as he got more bold and as he got older, he started to realize that he could crawl over the pillow. And so no longer did one pillow keep him there. You had to stack a few pillows up and and, and the roadblocks got bigger for him as he matured and as he got stronger. But here's the thing. He began to overcome it because he would just give it all he's got. 
And so eventually he got to the point where he started to walk and he'd get more strength and all that. And so the, the roadblocks had to become much more intense. Now we just put him in a jail. Not really. I'm just joking. Don't call anyone or anything like that. He's free to roam at this point. He's good. But I thought about this and I thought, you know, it's the same way in our life. That as you grow with God and as you get stronger in the Lord and as you pursue greater things, you will face bigger obstacles. If you think that the obstacles get smaller, the more that you grow in Christ, then you have got something else coming. Because that's not the case. For every new level, there's what? A new devil. You've heard that maybe. For every new level that you go, there's a bigger obstacle. There's a, there's a bigger thing in front of you that will try to keep you from what God wants. There's another mountain that will always be there. And Miley Cyrus has great words, right? There's always another mountain or obstacle or whatever that song was. All right, some of you guys, all right, younger generation, you got me. There's always another mountain. There's always another obstacle that will come. And so I just want us to make sure that we don't ever think that once we get there with God, once we arrive, whatever that means, or once we ever get to full maturity, that somehow when we walk in God's fullness, that there'll be no obstacles anymore. It'll just be roses and petals and gardens of bliss and all that. Well, I don't, I don't see that when I read my Bible. I just don't see that. I see it when we get to heaven, but I don't see it in the pursuit on earth. What I see is that for every new level, there's a new devil. That I, What I see is, is that as you step out further in what God wants, there will be greater obstacles that come your way. And that's okay. That's okay. Because there's a reason that they're there. And we're going to unpack that today. But I want us to understand, I want us to get this, that as we mature, listen at Galatians chapter 5, verse 7, it says this. It says, you were running a good race. You were on your way, you were going, but who stopped you from following the true way? This change did not come from the one who chose you. So be careful, because just a little yeast makes the whole batch of dough rise. But I trust in the Lord that you will not believe those different ideas. I love this encouragement. He said, who, who, who cut in on you? I mean, who stopped you? Who, who was the obstacle that stood in your way? You were running such a good race. Who is that? What is that that got in front of you? Why would you allow that to keep you from what God has? But he says, no, 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 don't, don't let any obstacle, as small as it is, a little bit of yeast in the dough, don't, don't, don't let this thing keep you from running the race and going after what God wants in your life. See, salvation is a free gift, but living out your purpose will cost you something. And it will sometimes cost you your comfort. Ouch. Because we like to live comfortably. We like to live just, God, just please, can there just be smooth seas today? And I'm not saying that God won't give us smooth seas at times by any means. He calms the storms. He's that God. But what we find is this, is that rather than just always giving us smooth seas, sometimes God will give you smooth seas, but sometimes God's going to put some waves in there because he's going to challenge you and he's growing you. He's maturing you so that you can get to your potential. But if you're going to reach it, it's going to cost something. It's going to come at a price. It's going to come at something that you're going to have to begin to say, God, I want this. I'm willing to go after it. Hebrews 12 verse 1 says this. You know this church, or this verse if you grew up in church. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders in the sin that so easily entangles us. And let us run with what? Perseverance, he says. 
the race that marked out for us. Here's the word race again. Just like we read about in Galatians. You are running a good race. Hey, there's a race marked out for you. I'm here to tell you today, there's a race marked out for you. But it's going to take perseverance. It's going to take something from inside of you that says, you know what? No matter what obstacle, I'm going to press on. I'm going to go. I'm not going to allow, like Isaiah did, a, a little pillow in the road or even maybe a big mountain keep me from what God wants. You see, God's plan is not the path of least resistance. You need to understand that. Just because you're following God does not mean it's the path of least resistance. Some, I don't know where this came from, but somehow in Christianity, we, we've kind of adopted this concept that if we're following God, then everything will just feel good. Everything will just work out smoothly. Everything will just kind of open up and, you know, it'll just be peaceful and that. And again, I, I understand there's a balance. I understand there's times where God does give us peace. There's times when we do walk in that. But again, when I read my Bible, I don't see that always the case. In fact, I see that more of a rarity than I see it of a commonality. And the commonality that I see is that it's not the path of least resistance. That when God calls you to do something, there's, there's going to be a test. There's going to be something that you face. Now, here's what we want God's plan to look like is right here. Or, you know, that's your plan for God's plan, if that makes sense. This is yours, right? Like, there's the goal. But here's God's plan in reality. It's more like this right here, if you can see that. It, it's, we want just a little increase. You know, God, I want to get better. I, I, I want to, I know I've got to stretch myself. So, could we just put like a one on the incline? That's good right? I mean, that's all right. And just, you know, I'll just kind of make it up. And resistance to us, you know, is like that number one on the incline. Like, okay, that's enough resistance. But God's plan is more like this. It's an obstacle course. It's one of those ultimate warrior courses. Have you seen those around? I mean, those are crazy. We went to uh, Urban Air the other day. and They've got some of those like obstacle courses. And that's, it's not even extreme. And I was like, this is extreme. I mean, it, you know, this is, I was, I mean, I, I couldn't believe it. I, thought, I, I looked at some of the things and I thought, I don't even know what you're supposed to do here. And they're like, well, you're supposed to put your foot on this and this. I'm thinking, my body doesn't do that. My legs don't stretch that way. I mean, it's crazy. But God's plan is more like this ultimate warrior obstacle course where there's going to be valleys and peaks and there's going to be some dangerous sharks in the water. There's going to be, you know, big ravines in there that God's going to put in front of you. There's a reason that he's doing it because he's growing you. He's pushing you. He's ultimately seeing what you're going to do. See, life is not a short sprint. It's a marathon that's filled with hurdles. That's what life is. It's not just a short, you know, hundred meter dash. Just, Hey, give it all you got, you know, just do well and kind of hit the finish line. No, no, no. It's a marathon filled with hurdles. And these hurdles are challenges, circumstances, financial things that come across, emotional things, relational things, organizational things, you name it. I mean, there's just, every obstacle is filled with all kinds of things that are inside of it. And God is looking for those that are willing to run the course. It's not that he doesn't love those that aren't, but it's that he has such a great promise for you. He has such a great future for you that if you'll get on that race, that if you'll opt into that race, that's the one that has the big prize. Or as Paul said, I've run the race. 
I, I finished it. I fought the good fight. Now there awaits for me a crown of righteousness. Right? I mean, there's a reward for that obstacle. That when I fulfill my potential and I never give up, no matter what the obstacle, there's something great awaiting me on the other side. And sometimes these hurdles in life turn into mountains. They turn into these big hurdles, if you will. Things that almost seem insurmountable, like, how am I ever going to get over this? How am I going to make it through that? You know, a hurdle is one thing that's maybe a few feet off the ground. Maybe I kind of jump, and maybe I trip over it, and, you know, fumble, and that's okay. But, John, what do I do about the, the mountains in my life? I mean, the things that are out of my control, the things that are huge, that are massive, that I can't just jump over. I, I don't even know how I can get around it. I, I don't even know. See, you're going to face some mountains in your life. You're going to have them. But here's the deal. Here's what I've learned is that some mountains in life are meant to be moved, but some are meant to be climbed. And if you're going to follow God, it's going to require you to be a mountain climber at times. Because there are moments, just like Jesus talked about, that faith the size of mustard seed, you say to this mountain, it will be moved. We get that. We understand that. We, we pray for that. We fight for that. God, move this mountain, move this mountain. But you need to understand that not every mountain in your life is going to just magically move supernaturally. Sometimes it will. Sometimes God will do that in his infinite plan and that. But there are moments in your life, some mountains that you face aren't meant to be moved. And so the question is, what are you going to do when they don't move? Are you going to do like Isaiah, our little guy, and just say, okay, well, whatever. I'll just give up. I'll just walk over here. And then you face another mountain. You say, oh, okay, let's go over here. Oh, there's another mountain. You're just going to wander through life? Or are you going to have the spiritual fervor to look at a mountain and say, I'm going to believe God to move it. I'm going to pray for God to move it. That, that, that would be good. But if it doesn't get moved, I'm going I'm to climb it. I'm going to go. I'm reminded of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You know the story, especially if you grew up in church about when they wouldn't bow down to the king who was evil and he wanted them to worship him, but they worshiped the one true God. And uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, we're, we're not going to worship you. We're not going to bow down to you and your idol. We worship God Almighty. So you know the story. He threw them into the furnace and he threatened them before he did it. He said, he said I'm going to throw you in this furnace. It's going to be hot. It's going to be so hot. You're going to burn. You're going to die. You're going to lose your life. You really want to do that? I mean, is it you really sold out enough to do that? And I love what they said. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said something I think is so profound. It's so theologically deep, I think, in so many ways. And they said this. They said, God will deliver us from the fire. That's faith, right? That's, that's pretty big faith to say that. I'm paraphrasing. They said, God will deliver us from the fire. Here's what they said. This is what most people don't, under, they don't catch. He said, this is what they said. But if he doesn't, we're not bound down anyway. What? Well, why didn't they just have faith? Isn't that like a but if he doesn't, right? How can he have faith if there's a, a but attached to it, you know, all that, right? How do we do that? Well, I don't know. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did it. He said, we're not going to bow down. And God will deliver us from the fire. But if he doesn't, we're, we're still not going to worship you. What did they say? They said, hey, we're, we're going to pray that God moves the mountain. We're going to hope that the mountain gets moved. But if the mountain doesn't get moved, we're climbing over anyway. We're going. We're believing. That's the faith that God's looking for. That's what real faith is. Is saying, God, 
I'm going to pray the mountain is moved. But if the mountain doesn't get moved, I'm going to, I'm going to pull out the rope. I'm going to belay. I'm going to do it all. I'm going to climb this mountain. I'm going to go where I need to go. I love what Michael Jordan said, right? I, can we even quote Michael Jordan in church? I don't know, but we are, okay? Because I think it's good. He may have caught on to something that he just didn't even know that was maybe more spiritual than he thought. Michael Jordan said this, if you're trying to achieve, there will be roadblocks. I've had them. Everybody's had them. But obstacles don't have to stop you. If you run into a wall, don't turn around and give up. Figure out how to climb it, go through it, or work around it. That's the prophet Jordan right there, baby, all right? Man, he could shoot threes and prophesy. He didn't even know it, all right? I mean, how, I love that. I mean, he, he's just paraphrasing what Paul and these New Testament writers that were experiencing life in, in, in Christ. I mean, he's just saying what they said. What we, who, ran a good, who cut in on you? I mean, who, who stopped you from doing this? That's what he's saying. You just keep going. You keep climbing to what God wants. Here's what I believe we've got to do. Develop what I call persistence in resistance. That's the kind of faith that it takes. That you're persistent in resistance. That you develop this sense of persistence in the resistance. And if you give up at resistance or view it as a sign that you're on the wrong path, then you may miss something. You see, resistance does not mean that it's not God's plan. Resistance doesn't mean that. We think, well, if we feel something about it or if it's going to be hard, maybe that's not God. No, no, don't ever subscribe to that. Again, let's just go back to all most of our Bible characters. When did we? When was their litmus test of if God is really speaking to me, it'll just be nice and peachy and rosy and all good? Where did we see that? Right? Never. I mean, they, 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 you know, I mean, Paul. You know, I, this is what I love about Paul in the Bible. Paul's just, you know, ready to go with what God wants to do. But Paul didn't let any resistance stop him. I mean, I call it pinball Christianity. Wherever he went, he just scored points for God. I mean, you know, it was like he wasn't even concerned about where the ball went on the pinball machine. It was like whatever. And we see this in the Bible because there are times where Paul said, you know what, I'm going to go to this land and I'm going to go preach and share the gospel. He gets on a boat, he starts going, and a big storm comes, and it shipwrecks him totally off course into a place where he had no intent of going. And he could have very easily, if that was me or maybe you, we would have probably, in our Western mindset of Christianity today, we would have gotten shipwrecked and said, God, what happened? Did I miss you? I thought that you wanted me to go to that land and I don't understand. Is there sin in my life? Is there something I've done? Did I not hear it right? Was that the pizza last night for dinner? Or in his case, maybe a gyro? I don't know. I don't know what they ate, right? Like what was it last night that, that caused me? I mean, where did it go wrong? We would have gotten stumbled in that. You and I would have said, was it Satan? Was it me? Was it God? I don't... And we would have juggled and we would have just like, I don't even know and gotten confused. Here's what Paul did. He didn't care about any of it. He's like, oh, I shipwrecked here. Okay, let me build a fire. I'm paraphrasing a little story. He, he builds a fire. He gets the fire going. A snake, a viper jumps out and it bites him. Again, God, what is going on? I'm trying to do what you want me to do. What, why, is all the, why did I get shipwrecked? Why does a snake come out of the fire and bite me that's venomous? And Paul doesn't die. Nothing happens to him. And the tribes there, begin, they look, they're like, what is going on with it? Who are you? Paul gets taken to their leader, and he basically just starts sharing the gospel. He's like, hey, let me tell you about Jesus. 
Now here's, again, pinball Christianity. We would have, every step of that story, we would have stopped and said, what is going on? Is it God? Is it me? Is it the devil? Why did this happen? I can't believe this happened. What, is there something in my life? Is there, We would have gotten so confused. Paul's like, I don't know, whatever. A snake jumps out, bites me. What the heck is that? You know, what is going on? He gets taken the, and he just shares the gospel. No matter where he went, whether he was in prison or whether he was in a palace or wherever he went, again, pinball Christianity, he wasn't caught up in why he got there. He was caught up in what to do when he was there. We get caught up in why, why, why am I here? Why did this happen? Why did we get here? I don't know. If you keep asking why, you will get stuck. So you don't ask why am I here. Here's what you ask. What do I do while I'm here? That's the question. That will take you somewhere. If you just keep asking why did this happen, you're going to get trapped. But you change that question. We're asking the wrong question. You just switch that question to what do I do with what has happened? Not why did this happen? What do I do with what has happened? That answer has hope. That answer has purpose. That answer has forward motion. So don't get caught up in why. Paul never got caught up in why. Why am I in jail? Why am I shipped? Or why does a snake come out? And then now we have denominations that created a whole philosophy on that. Handling snakes, right? It's like, that was never the intent. Anyway, hold another side story. That was crazy. It's like, I mean, why? We, we, he didn't get caught up in why. He just said, okay, well, here's where I'm at. I, what do I do with where I am? I share Christ. I, I reach into the potential that's within me and I begin to step out in what God wants to do. Are you with me? So I want us to get there because that's a heart that God works with. That's a person who asks those kind of questions, who looks at their future that way. That's the person that God says, I've got big plans for you. You're going to do something in life when you have that mentality. James chapter 1 verse 2 says this. You're familiar with this verse? Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, that whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And let perseverance finish its work so that you may be what? Mature, like Isaiah. Get older, grow, get stronger, and complete not lacking anything. How does James say this? I mean, what? I mean, have you ever thought about that? Like, consider it joy when I face trials? How foreign is that? But he says, consider it a joy because you know that when you're tested by your faith, that it's going to produce perseverance. And it's that perseverance, persistence and resistance. It's that heart. He says that when you approach God that way in your future that way, you're going to begin to mature you're going to begin to get stronger in your faith. That doesn't mean that you're never going to have obstacles again. Remember, it just means the obstacles are going to get a little bit bigger. But the reward is that much greater. The impact is that much greater. And so you begin to say, okay, God, that's I want to be mature. And I love that word. James says, you can get to a point where you're not lacking anything. I, I want to be there, right? I mean, I, like James, I want that. I want to be mature spiritually, not physically. I don't want to be mature. I just, I don't want to get older. I just want to stay the same, right? But spiritually, I want to get mature. I want to get to a point where God looks at me and says, you're not lacking anything. Wow. I don't know if I'll ever get there, but I'm going, 
right? I want to be there. I'm pushing on to that where I can get to that point where God would actually look and say, John, good job. You're not lacking anything. Now I got a long, long way to go, but I'm pushing there. I'm believing for that because I believe that's what God wants. So you've heard this phrase before that, uh, there's always a testing before a blessing, right? You may have heard that phrase, which I think is a great phrase. I, I believe it. I, I think that's what James was saying, that there's always a testing before a blessing. There's always going to be something that challenges you and that tries you and that you sort of get put through the fire. You have to overcome the obstacle. You've got to you know, get on the course and run the race and not let things cut in. And out of that testing, God begins to bring a blessing But have you ever thought about this? Because we don't think about this too much. That's also true in that for every blessing, there'll be a testing as well. And we kind of forget about that because we like to encourage ourselves with, for every testing, there will be a blessing, right? It's like, you know, eat your broccoli now and you'll get dessert later, right? Grandma's rule, okay? Eat your veggies now and you can have dessert later. We we like to encourage ourselves with that, which is great. We need to encourage ourselves with that. All right, I'm in the fire. I know that through this testing, there will come a blessing. I know there will. But let me just kind of help maybe bring another perspective and to say this. For every blessing that you receive, there'll be a testing for it. So when God blesses you, let's just use a few examples. When God gives you a new house, he opens up the opportunity for you to get a nicer house maybe or a bigger house or whatever it is. There'll be a testing that comes with that. And here's what I mean by that. What are you going to do with that house? I mean, are you going to open it up? to build relationship and community and use that to be a a haven for God to do something in your family or do something with other families. See, there'll be a testing there. Financially, God may bless you financially with some more opportunity, some more money or whatever it is, a, a raise or whatever, an inheritance or whatever, just out of the blue. God will bless you with that, but then he'll test you with and say, what are you gonna do with that money? Are you gonna give out of what you received? Is your heart going to be in the right place? When God blesses you, are you going to take a percentage of that and give that back out to say, God, keep me humble. God, you blessed me. Help me be a blessing to others. Are you going to do that? I knew a guy um, years ago, a guy that uh, always complained at his job that he wasn't getting enough money. He never got a raise. He never had enough money. They didn't pay him enough at his work, right? I mean, you know, we, we know this story, right? We all know. We've all been there. Just don't get paid enough. And he was always frustrated that he didn't. I'll never forget his employer started giving him more opportunity to work some things at the company, some extra things on the side that wouldn't really be a whole lot of extra work for him, not really. But it opened the door for him to have more money, to make more money on it. I'll never forget, about a month later after this happened, I remember thinking, oh, that's great. Make God's answer in prayer. And guess what he did? A month later after all that, he still complained. Can't believe I got to work all this extra stuff and all that. And I'm going, wow, wow. Here God like answered your prayer. Here God opened up an opportunity for you to have more advantage and and times where you can make some money and make some extra. And yet he blessed you with this thing. And then comes the testing. And his heart, his attitude didn't change at all. I just still was a complainer. I think, wow, what does God do with that, right? And, and we hear that, and we're like, I can't believe that. But how many times do we do that? Unknowingly, right, with a blessing that we get, right? How many times have you heard the statement, I wish I never even would have got this? 
It's been so stressful since I've got it. It's been nothing but chaos since I received this, right? Or we get a raise or a promotion at work or something. We're like, oh, all the challenge that came with this. And I'd rather just go back down, right? I think it's like the children of Israel, right? Like, Moses, why did you bring us out of Egypt into the desert? Like, to give you a land that's free and that you can rule and reign on, that has abundance of everything you need? No, we'd rather go back to Egypt and be slaves than in the desert. It's like, what? You know, but we do that with our life. God gives us an opportunity. We say, oh, I know I got a promotion at work, but geez, with it came all this pressure. And now I got to deal with people all the time. God forbid. That's like, what? What? What would Paul have done with that? He would have said, oh, I got a promotion. Cool. Let let me impact people. Let me score points. Pinball Christianity. Where, Where does the ball go? I don't know. God's sovereign. He has a big master plan. I don't get it all the time. Sometimes that pinball goes places. I go, huh? I never did that. Right? Like, I, I didn't hit that button on that one little wheel. Like, I didn't, that wasn't my plan for that ball to go up there. It was to go over there to the $5,000 bonus or something, right? That was my goal. But, but again, we can get mad at the machine, mad at God, mad at ourselves, blah, 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 or just kind of like, hey, I'm just going to keep hitting the thing, just keep the ball in play. I'm just going to keep saying, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do with where I'm at? What do you want me to do with what I got? All right. And just view everything as that. Score points for the kingdom. So let me ask you, in your blessings that you're receiving, whatever that looks like, fill in the blank, whatever that is, health, whatever it is, are you taking that blessing and are you being faithful with the testing that will come with it? Are you saying, thank you, God, for this? Because of that, I will do this. Not that you're earning anything, but just out of gratitude, out of a heart of worship, out of a heart of thanks to say, God, thank you for that blessing. What can I do with it that would bless somebody somehow, some way? When you got that, here's the rhythm of life. Testing, blessing, blessing, testing, blessing. Testing. Are you with me? It's just the rhythm of how God works in his sovereign plan. It's just the rhythm. It's the drums of Christianity right there, right? Right? Testing, blessing, testing, blessing. It's just a metronome right there. That's the rhythm of how God works in your life. Testing, blessing, testing, blessing. What are you going to do with it? And when we mess up that rhythm where we stop saying, when we're angry about the test and we give up, we mess up the rhythm. Or we receive the blessing and we hoard it and we don't go back to the rhythm of what God wants. That's when we mess up the rhythm and everything starts to kind of get off course because the whole rhythm of what God is working in our life gets off. So it's testing, blessing, testing, blessing. And we just live in that rhythm of life and we keep moving to that rhythm. We keep dancing to that beat, beating that drum of what God wants in our life because he's maturing us to what he wants. So think about the eagle for a minute. I, I, I love the eagle. Of course, it's a great sign here in America of sort of our mascot and that. But the eagle is such an amazing creature. And not just because of the size and the strength and all the great things and qualities about it, but one quality that we don't hear about a lot. But one thing that makes the eagle so unique from every other bird is that when a storm comes in and, and really bad weather is on the way in, every other bird will begin to fly away from the storm because it's just too much. So the, they just go away from it. 
But the eagle is totally different than every other bird. The eagle is so tenacious that it actually flies directly into the storm because it's learned how to harness the winds and it actually flies above the storm. It uses the storm and the winds and the power of the storm. It uses it to actually propel it and elevate it to a higher level than the storm. So the storm comes up, but the eagle goes higher, right? And it uses the wind from that. When every other bird looks at that storm and says, "Uh uh-uh, and starts flapping away the other way, the eagle goes head in to the storm and it harnesses its wings. No wonder, I love this, no wonder that Isaiah said this in Isaiah 40, the prophet, he said this, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength They will soar on wings like eagles. That's why he said it. They will run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not be faint. Why was he referring to an eagle? Because the eagle, God created it so powerful, so unique. And Isaiah is saying, listen, when you put your hope in God, no matter what storm comes your way, when you put your hope and your trust in God, then you just fly head into that storm. Here's what's going to happen. God's going to begin to put that wind under your wings, right? You can hear the song right now. Cue the music, right? The wind underneath your wings. And all of a sudden, what you'll do is you'll begin to fly above the storm. That's what the prophet was referring to. That's when he said, you hope in the Lord. Yeah, but what do we do with the storm? What do we do with the challenge? What do we do with the roadblock? What do we do when things don't go our way? Do we run away and give up and and lose hope and get confused and ask why and all this stuff? No, no, no. He just says, you put your hope in the Lord. And when you put your hope in the Lord, he's going to renew your strength. What does he mean? He's going to begin to put that wind underneath your wings. You're going to begin to have strength to rise above the storm. And before you know it, you're going to be free from that storm, overcoming it. And it's going to produce maturity, as James said. It's going to produce something in you that's not lacking anything. So no matter what storm comes your way, you know that you run into the storm, that you fly above the storm. It's like what Henry Ford said. I love this. He said, when everything seems to be going against you, remember that the airplane takes off against the wind, not with it. It's the whole technology of the eagle is why we have flight today. Is that the airplane gains trajectory because of the resistance of the wind. And because of the resistance, it harnesses the power of that. And it begins to have a thing we call lift, where it begins to send you up. So when you're facing resistance and you become persistent in the resistance and you press on and you put your hope in the Lord, God begins to give you lift in life and he begins to harness you up above the storm where you're overcoming the storm. So in your life, here's what I want you to think about is don't run from your fears, run through them. You don't run from fear, you run directly in to the face of fear. And it's through that running into the fear that you begin to harness the lift spiritually in your life. And I'll say this, the harder you run into the fear, the more lift you get. 
And what I mean by that is the more faith you have to face the fear, the more thrust that you're giving towards your fear, not allowing it to sink you or keep you from your destiny, but the more that you run into it with faith, the harder you press into it, the more resistance will be there, so the greater your lift. But if you tiptoe into fear, well, I don't know, let's just see what happens one little step at a time. You're not going to create the lift from your faith. Are you with me? And it sounds good. Well, I'm kind of fearful. Let me just take a little step. I want to start being a giver. Maybe I'll start with 1%. You know, I'll give God like a few dollars in the bucket or something. I want to help people out around me, but, you know, we don't have a lot of money. Let's just start with like $5 here and there. Right? I'm just using that as an example. But this is things that we do sometimes, right? We say, well, we kind of feel like the Lord's being, I'm being led to go do this over here, but let me just kind of test the waters a little bit. And then we say, I'm just being wise, right? And again, I understand there's a little bit of a balance. I, I, you know, I'm not saying it's reckless or anything like that. But at the same time, again, if we're going to create lift with our faith, faith doesn't just say, well, let me test, you know, I mean, where, where in the Bible again do we see God like tell somebody something and then be like, all right, God, I'll test the waters a little bit. I'll see. Well, you know, Abraham, I want you to go to this land and do that. Okay, I'll, I'll move 10 miles closer. Check out the land a little bit, get a lay for the land, see how it works. Then if I like it, if it's going well, there's our Western thinking, then I'll venture out a little bit further, make a little bit bigger investment. But I don't, you know, I don't want to be unwise or anything like that, right? And, and so we just, we kind of play this game. And again, I'm not saying that wisdom doesn't serve a place, and I'm not saying these things. But I'm just saying that let's be a heart that gets lift with our faith. It just says, God, I just, I'm just going to go. I'm going to run right into the heart of fear. I'm just going to run right into it. In fact, I'll say this. In order to break through your fears and those roadblocks, you got to get some speed sometimes. Right? I mean, you can't just kind of, you know, if you're going to go break down a door or something, if you locked your, you know, self out of your house or something and there's no way in but to break the door, I mean, you don't walk up to the door and be like, go door, open. You know, I mean, you're like, you know, I mean, you're charging that thing, right? I mean, you got to get some power behind that thing in order to break through it. So let that be your sort of, challenge for your faith. God, am I living like a, a bold faith? Right? I said bold, not bold, right? Like bold, like the red flag, right? Like the bull. Am I, is that the faith that I'm living with? And again, I'm not saying wisdom doesn't play a place, all that. I'm just saying, let's not let that be our excuse. I'm just being wise. I'm just taking it slow. Oh, I, okay, I got you. There's a time to be patient. I get it. But when that's your life, when that's your rhythm, and that's always your answer, you got to kind of stop and say, hey, am I kind of using that as an excuse maybe? Am I doing that because I'm just afraid? Or is it because I really felt like the Lord said, slow down? Or am I really doing it just because I'm kind of scared? I'm a little bit afraid if I hit that door, it's not going to come through. So let me test it. No. Go strong with it. Go strong. So let me read this to you. We'll, we'll, we'll close up here. In Exodus, there's a great story. You know the story. And even if you haven't read the Bible, if you're a big Charlton Heston fan, you know the story, okay? 
in Exodus chapter 10. This is good. And, and I want to read this in a way. I know that's you know, probably about like two font size on there and that, so you probably can't see it. So if you've got your Bible, you can open up the Exodus chapter 10. If not, it's okay. I'll read it to you. But, but I want us to kind of slow down and read this story again. You've heard of this story. You know it. You've seen it on movies and cartoons and all this stuff. But, but I, I want you to think about this story in the light of what we've been talking about and, and what faith requires and lift and resistance and roadblocks and obstacles and all these things. And I, and I want us to kind of frame it with that context so that we can get the most out of this and understand what's really going on. So Exodus 10, Moses is leading the children of Israel out of Egypt, as we talked about, and slavery is leading them to the, their destiny, this promised land, to their potential, to this great purpose that God has for them, right? So you can imagine what it's like, just like your life being led into sort of this new season, uh, your destiny, the fullness of what God wants to do. So it says this in verse 10, as Pharaoh approached, so they're after the Israelites, right? They want to get them back, and they're mad because they escaped from Egypt. You know the story. So as Pharaoh approached... The Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians, their enemy, marching after them, right? So imagine just looking up and actually seeing this army coming after you, right? This isn't like metaphorical, right? Like, you know, they had a vision of this. I mean, this is like real deal. I mean, the enemy is coming after them, right? The circumstance is like right there. They see it. And so they're terrified, rightfully so in some ways. And they cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses... Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us out to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, Moses. Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. So now, now before you start blaming them and being like, well, they should have just trusted God. You do the same thing and I do. Again, we have things happen in our life and we say, God, am I not trying to serve you? Have I not tried to do what's right? Why do I keep facing challenges? God, I'm just, I went out to serve and just be helpful. And now I got, you know, everybody's offended and they got this. I'm just trying to do this and somebody's coming back at me. I just tried to do right with my finances and now they're out of control. In fact, it looks like the more that I gave, I didn't get anything. I just gave it away and now I'm even worse off. Right? These are the things that happen in our life. Man, God, I'm trying to do right. And it just, it's like everything keeps, just keeps going wrong. You've been there. I've been there. So verse 13, Moses answered the people, do not be afraid, but stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. So the Egyptians you see today, you'll never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. I mean, get left, get going. So he says to Moses, raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. And I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all of his army through his chariots and horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I'm the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. So you got to understand, here's Moses, the leader. I mean, his reputation's on the line. He's leading these people. And God says to Moses, now, we know the story, so it's not a big deal to us, but put yourself in the scenario. God tells you to do something absurd. I mean, raising your staff over like a big C and just kind of going is absurd, right? 
I mean, really, it's like, hey, there's an army coming after us. You want to have a better plan than standing over the waters? And You know what I mean? I mean, th- this is what we would have said probably. Like, hey, we need some more action. More, I mean, something, do something, man. Like, get the swords out. Like, sharpen them. Let's, I mean, let's, our, what's our plan of attack? How are we going to defend ourselves? And here's, here God said to Moses, I just want you to walk over to the sea. I want you to stretch out your hand. Like, that, that's pretty absurd in some ways, right? And so I'm, I'm sure Moses is kind of going, okay. We know what's going to happen, but he's like, this is impossible. You're asking me, it'd be one thing if you wanted me to like go say something to the people, but you're wanting me to like actually put myself on display. What if I raise my staff and nothing happens? Because what you're asking me to do is literally impossible in the natural. I mean, it's literally absurd. For, for, for waters to part, like they had no reference to this, by the way. It wasn't like, oh, this happened many years ago. Just do like he did. I mean, it's like, I'm sorry, what? The waters are going to part, yet we've never observed that. I've never, no one in the history has ever seen that happen. Right? So again, just put yourself there. So Moses goes then. Then the angel of the Lord, verse 19, who had been traveling in front of Israel's army, withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to one side and light to the other side. So neither went near the other all night long. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. So he does it. He's like, all right, bold faith. Here we go. And all, and all that night, the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it to dry land. And the waters were divided. Did you hear that? All throughout the night. This isn't instantaneous. Moses doesn't go, be stretched. And then in like four minutes, like, like, Charlton Heston, right, in the Ten Commandments, like, it just sort of parts in like a few minutes. All night, he had to stand there, just raising his staff, that's tiring, and sitting there while God moves this. So I want you to know that the blessing, that the purpose in your life, it doesn't just come overnight. It doesn't just happen. When you get through a roadblock, it doesn't mean that everything is bliss right after the roadblock. Sometimes it takes time to get through a roadblock. Sometimes you've got to persevere months, weeks, years, whatever it may be, to get through this thing. With Moses, he had to stand all night. So it's not five minutes like in the cartoon and the waters are, and all this kind of happens and moves on quickly. This is a process of what happened. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and all that night the Lord drove the sea back The waters were divided, and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. So what I want to ask you today is that when you are standing in front of your roadblock, whatever that is today, or whatever that's going to be down the line, or whatever it is, what I want you to do is do like Moses did, all right? And look at that roadblock and begin to raise your faith. That's what it was. The staff wasn't really anything of significance as much as it was a symbol of his faith, that he was raising his faith is what it was. 
That's what it was. It wasn't, it wasn't a magical staff, right? Like whoever held and wielded this staff had all the power of God in their life kind of a thing. No, no, no. It, the staff was just symbolic of Moses' willingness and his leadership and his authority to stand up with his faith. So as you stand in your faith with wherever you're at in life, wield the authority that you've been given as a child of God. Wield the, the, the calling and the purpose that God has given you to move forward in your destiny. And you begin to raise your faith faith in front of your circumstance and you begin to run forward into that and you allow God to do what you can't do you see you do what you can and God will do what you can't you do what God has called you to do and God will provide the increase you do what you can do in the natural he'll provide the supernatural amen he provides the super, we provide the natural, and there's a great mix of supernatural things that God does. So we do what we can, God does what we can't, and we begin to see that we break through the roadblocks in our life, and we begin to experience the destiny that God has for us. Amen? Let me read one last verse to you. And this, Psalm 97 says, The Lord reigns, let the earth be glad, let the distant shores rejoice. Clouds and thick darkness surround him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Fire goes before him and consumes his foes on every side. His lightning lights up the world. The earth sees and trembles. The mountains, listen, the obstacles melt like wax before the Lord. Before the Lord of all the earth. The heavens proclaim his righteousness and all the peoples see his glory. Amen. God will go before and the mountains begin to melt like wax as you move them or as you climb them or whatever it takes. You'll begin to see the path open up but keep the course. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much today for your goodness. And God, thank you that you give us faith that gets lift and potential to go forward. God, I pray today that you would fill us with a persistence in the resistance God, that we would be faithful to follow you, faithful to do what you called us to do. God, if there's anyone here this morning that doesn't know of your goodness and your calling and your purpose for them to fulfill in their life that they were created for a reason, God, I pray that they would surrender their heart to you. God, you say if we call on the name of the Lord, we're saved. God, we don't want our sin or our unbelief to keep us from the destiny that awaits us, not only on earth, but eternally in heaven. And so, God, I pray that every person in this room today would make a choice to follow after your purpose in their life, whether for the first time or just to keep going on the race to the next mile marker. No matter the age, no matter the obstacle, no matter the season of life, God, I pray for that faith to fill us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Listen, real quick, um, before I hand it over in that, it's been an honor to hang out with you and just to bring hopefully some encouragement, some hope. Um, I've got a table out here. I've gotten several books that I've written. I love to get in your hands. Um, everything is $10. So just to make it easy, it's $10 for any book. I take cash, credit, check, and tacos. In fact, I prefer tacos over anything. So... Um, if you have that, I'm good. Or any Mexican food at that. Um, but come see me at the table. God bless you guys. Thank you so much for me.
here and um, just share with you guys today. Thank you guys it so much. So applause for God's word and the man that brought it today. Thank you, Thank you. Uh, just by way of announcement, we are having a, a meeting after this service 15 minutes from now. There is no child care provided for that meeting, so if you got kiddos downstairs, uh, don't forget them. <laughs>